got a Bible, if you turn with me to Revelation in chapter 3. I never take this for granted, you know, opening up the Bible. Never take it for granted. I found, count it a real privilege to be able to do it. And just whilst you're, you're doing that, I just want to say it's run through the course of the meeting and we've been hearing about God's love towards us. But I really sincerely mean this. I want to say, on behalf of the leadership team, we really do love you as a church. We really do love you. I know it's not always possible for me or for Phil or for the team to come and spend some time, lots of time with you, hours with you. Uh, Some of you probably would like uh, more home visits. Uh, Some of you are glad that I don't come knocking on your door. That might be the case. And I know, I know people have equated, and it is true, um, time with love and love with time. You can't love something if you don't spend time with it. But here in my heart, it's impossible for me and for the team to just spend huge morafts of time with everybody. But we do our best to get around people. And I just want to say we do love you. We really do love you. We understand some of your stories. We understand some of your pains. We understand some of the hardship that you face, that you're facing. And we're with you. We are with you. And we pray for you. And we bring you before the Lord. There's not a week that goes by. It would be wrong of me to say not a day goes by. But I believe that would be the case. But there's not a week that goes by that we do not pray for you guys. We love you. If you're new here, I count you in as that as well. We love you. I think you're awesome. I may not know you. I may not know your name. But I know that God's got a special plan for your life. And I would just encourage you to keep loving one another, to keep loving me, to keep loving the team. And love sometimes demands us to say some things that are sometimes difficult to say. You know, for instance, my wife, she has to say some things to me at times that I may not particularly want to hear, but she delivers them. But I know she loves me. Anybody else got a wife like that? There are times when we have to say some things. There are things that I have to say to my children at time, times that I don't like saying but are necessary to say because I love them and because I want them to grow up to be well-rounded, godly, you know, reality kind of people. You understand that? And so that means sometimes we have to say some things. But I just want you to, to know that today. It's not me getting mushy. It's not me getting all over-sentimental. It's not me running on my emotions. We really do love you. Really do love you. And uh, we believe in that uh, God has got great things in store for us. Well, I really dropped myself in it this week because we were working through the ministry on this HML from Jesus and I chose Sardis. Now, the only reason I chose Sardis was because I could pronounce it. All the other names, churches' names, I couldn't pronounce. So I thought, well, there's a good start. At least I can pronounce the jolly thing. But I didn't realize how challenging it was going to be. And then the other thing... I have to say, I've been listening to the podcast whilst I've been away and the ministry of, of yesterday, uh, of last week. I want to say this man, absolutely outstanding ministry. He has been absolutely brilliant ministry. And for the very first time in these three years, I felt under pressure. <laughs> now, what I mean by that, to deliver. I thought, oh, God, help me. Look at this. 
I mean, he's drawing this thing from here and this fat from there and this thing from here. And I'm thinking, oh, God, what have I done? What have I done? And that was the thought. Jesus just said to me, Christian, just be you. So it was like, can I just go for the jugular? Yes, you can, son. Wonderful, I can do that. I can, I can be dead direct. Yeah, you can be dead direct, son. So here I am today, going to be really direct from the word of God. And it is amazing how these, these words in the Bible that were written, you know, over 2,000 years ago, there's such richness and such relevance to us all. So Revelation in chapter 3 and verse 1 says this, To the angel of the church in Sardis write, These are the words of him who holds the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know your deeds. You have a reputation for being alive, but you are dead. Wake up, strengthen what remains and is about to die. For I have not found your deeds complete in the sight of my God. Remember therefore what you have received and heard. Obey it and repent. But if you do not wake up, I will come like a thief. And you will not know at what time I will come to you. Yet you have a few people in Sardis who have not soiled their clothes. They will walk with me, dressed in white, for they are worthy. He who overcomes will, like them, be dressed in white. I will never blot out his name from the book of life, but will acknowledge his name before my Father and his angels. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. I want to start with verse 6, because the things that I want to talk about this morning frankly, will be lost unless we apply verse 6 to our hearts and lives at this moment. It says there, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying. The fact is, for the next 25, 30 minutes, I can say a whole load of stuff. We can go through the emotions. You can write all kinds of things on a pad that has no context to what I'm saying here today, and we move on. And you've heard nothing at all. And I've done that many times in messages, I have to be honest with you. But today, it's not because I'm speaking. I do want us to be a little bit different. And I want us at this moment to say, God, if you've got something to say to me, I want to hear it this morning. If there's something that needs to change in my life, I want to change it this morning. Please speak with me. And I incline my ear to hear your voice. Amen. There are two things that I believe that God wants to say from this passage of scripture. The reality is there may be more, you may read them and think a lot more out of it, but there were two particular themes that came through for me from these verses. That is the genius of preaching actually, because you can have five different preachers giving a passage of scripture and they'll all come in different directions. And I love that about preaching. I love that about the variety of the church. But there are two things that come to me from this passage of scripture. There are two headlines that I want to give you uh, up front, and then we'll endeavor to just look at them as we go along. The first issue is this. We must make sure that we are living, sorry, 
the two issues are this. Number one, this church was living from the position of a big reputation, but this was not the reality. They were living from the position of a big reputation, but this was not the reality. We'll, we'll make comment on that in a moment. The second thing is, the second issue that Jesus had with his church was that they were asleep. They were sleeping. And God wanted them to wake up. So they're the two things that we're going to address. Pure, simple, direct, straight to the point. Well, first of all, they grabbed my attention about living from the position of a big reputation, but this is not the reality. And I put the word big reputation because, let's face it, we're all at times a little bit swayed by people's reputations. John Wooden, the great uh, basketball coach who actually uh, passed away uh, this year at the age of 99, he said this, be more concerned with your character than your reputation because your character is what you really are while your reputation is merely what others think of you. But unfortunately, we can sometimes spend far too much attention and time and effort on trying to gain the approval of men and not actually working on what God wants to do deep in our hearts, which is our character. And the fact is, I'd be lying if I said that wasn't the case. Sometimes reputation has meant a lot to me. But increasingly, as I read things like this, I can't help be impacted. That's why I say, why on earth did I get sardis? Because I'd much rather be sitting here squirming and trying to dodge it a little bit than having to deliver it to you guys. Because the fact is at times, I have been very concerned about reputation. My reputation, the church's reputation. And God says, I don't give a rip about the reputation. This church had a reputation for being, what? Alive, but what was the reality? They were dead. Remember the words of Jesus to the Pharisees, he says, you've got this look about you that on the outside you look beautiful because what are you? You're whitewashed tombs. You're all nicely done, all nicely dressed, but inside you're stinking. Inside, your characters are awful. Jesus commented a lot about the character of a man. He addressed things like the fruit, the fruit of our lives. And good trees bear good fruit. Bad trees bear bad fruit. What did God say? I'll come away and cut away those things from our lives. I was thinking about a reputation because Jesus himself addressed this issue of reputation because he was saying to people, you know, it may be that you come to me and say on that day, you know, but, but Jesus, we cast out demons. Jesus, in your name. Jesus, we healed the sick. What did Jesus say? Depart from me. I never knew you. You see, the reputation was that everything's happening, everything's kicking, everything's dynamic, but internally, stuff wasn't good. Now, I don't want to feel like I'm beating you up because I'm not wanting to beat you up. I'm just wanting to apply ourselves to the scriptures. But the reality is, we must take care and attention of our characters and not be as concerned about our reputation. A reputation arises out of, I just looked at a few things here, you may have more, but people get a reputation out of what you own. So people think, wow, they've got this, they've got that great reputation, and it goes before them. Some people have a reputation about where you've been. 
Well, I've been to this place and I've been to this place. I've been to this conference. I've been this invitation. I've had this opening. And, this, and it's just like rolls off the tongue. And I flew, uh, I, I flew a, a million miles this year, eh, Eric? Do you remember that? That comment that somebody made? You know, I, I flew a million miles this year on my journeys for Jesus. Well, the reality is you can't fly a million miles. You'd be up in the sky all the time, according to pilots. But the reputation was that they've gone all these kinds of places. I'm being a little bit naughty, and I've promised God that I wouldn't be. I have failed. Oh, why on earth do you bother with me? Guys, why do you bother with me? Oh, how he loves me. They get a reputation about who you associate with. Listen, there's doors of opportunity that open up. This man, just from our context, has a lot to do with our national leader. I'm not knocking that. But if that's what you're working at and trying to maneuver, there's a problem. Reputation because of what you've done. Reputation, how you act, react, respond. Reputation, reputation, reputation. And Jesus had a problem with his church at Sardis because actually what was happening, what was happening in the city was getting in the church. You see, Sardis was a city that was uh, very, very luxurious. There was gold that was there. They found gold. There was a lot of money around uh, the city. There was this thought and theory from the city leaders that nobody could advance against the city because it was almost where it was positioned. It was, people would say, nobody can actually get in. But interestingly, history records there was two occasions that two different groups actually penetrated the city. And why was that? Because the city keepers were not keeping watch. That is history. I look back at it. It's interesting that Jesus says what? Wake up. Wake up. You see, what was happening was, what was happening in the city was getting in the church. We have to be very careful. I love this town. I genuinely do. I love Hina where I live. I love this region. I really, really do. People look at me strange when I say that. I was talking with Dave uh, as we was traveling somewhere. I says, I really love being here. We're very fortunate. We're just driving away. We said, we're really fortunate living here. And he says, absolutely. You want to live in Slough for a year? Then you're really... Sorry if anybody's from Slough. I really am Sorry. But we are very fortunate to, 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 to be living here. But we have to be careful that what happens in the city doesn't get in the church. I'm not talking about getting all religious, because there are some people who have said to me, well, why do we have drums even recently? Why are we having videos on the website? Because that's carnal. Well, you can understand my response to that. It was full of grace and full of love. I'm not talking about that, but I'm talking about if there's a sleepiness that's in the town, we must make sure it's not in the church. If there is a reputation about the town, we don't want it in the church, because we want the reality, we want the character of Christ, don't we? And so this community of Sardis, there was issues, because there was all this that was happening in the city, and it was getting in the church, and one of those things was they had a reputation for much, they had a reputation for being alive, they had a reputation for it was a great trade place, but they were dead. Question, what have you got a reputation for? I'm not asking for the church now. What's your reputation for? And is it the reality? You see, some people have a reputation, oh, he's a great man. Oh, he's a lovely man. But they don't know what happens in the darkness. 
Oh, it's, it's just, that lady's just absolutely wonderful. She's so kind. And yet there she is in the car because she's been cut up, giving it the fingers. I have to be as blunt as that. I'm sorry Does that, if that offends some people. But what's all that about? It's just a reputation. It's just a reputation. And God, God, God watches everything of our life. He watches everything. You may say, well, that's a bit extreme. Well, okay. But I do believe he watches everything. And particularly those in leadership responsibility, God watches everything. And we need to be careful that we don't give something off that we're not actually living. Two illustrations of this. Piers Morgan with Lord Sugar. I'll better, I'm sure I'll get a better response in this service than I. Did anybody watch that documentary? Anybody, just help me. Piers Morgan with Lord Sugar. Ah, a few more. Oh, I found it insightful because we've got this hard-skinned, thick-skinned sort of businessman and, uh, you know, giving it what for. And what's his catchphrase? You're fired. Or you're white weight. Chris does it far better than me, Mr. Mangan. But, but yeah, you saw... Actually, the, the, the reputation wasn't quite the reality. Because, yeah, he was a hard-nosed businessman, but actually when you got to the, cut away some of the stuff, he's been married to the same wife for, I don't know how long, 40 years. He loves her with a passion. He loves his kids. He loves his grandkids. He was showing everybody the grandkids' toys. I mean, what's all that about? Yeah. You know, and, and then the, the, the closing remark was, as he looked over at the city of London, Piers Morgan said, it seems to me, uh, Lord Sugar that you've always been a man who's been on the outside looking in. You see, in this thick-nosed, hard-nosed kind of thing, actually, he's quite an insecure bloke, wanting to get in, but always felt on the outside of things. Shall I give you another illustration? Anybody watch Take That last Saturday night, that documentary hour? I'm sorry if there's a... Leone, you watch far too much television. Anybody watch it? Come on, own up. Oh, there were, in the nine o'clock service, it was dead interesting. There was one lady, and she went, like they said, nobody could see. That's, that's genuine. That is absolutely genuine. I, I won't say who she was, Julie. No, I didn't mean that. Okay. It wasn't Julie. Um, but, you know, you had to cut through some of the swearing, which I understand. But, you know, Robbie Williams, what was Robbie Williams' um, you know, theme of his life? This. What does he do? He does this, doesn't he, all the time? Does this. You just saw the bloke for what he was. Damaged, broken, hurting, vulnerable. The reputation was not the reality. And he just bared his... It wasn't even... I didn't even feel it was Cheryl Cole calculated. Sorry, I've been naughty again. So I think she's calculating, I do. But anyway, I just felt it was out there. This is what I am. And even to the point where he says, I even struggle to be on stage. Because I just, when I'm on, I need to get off. And I watched Children in Need on Friday night. I'm watching too much telly now. And I saw, saw him as soon as they did the song. He was straight off the stage. He wasn't edgy. He was just straight off. I watched because I purposely remembered that. I thought I'd watch him straight off the stage. You see, the reputation is not the reality. You see, have you got a reputation for being fully alive, but internally you're dead? Have you got a reputation for living, living for God and you say all the right things, but 
actually you don't do all the right things. And God's wanting to shine a light on us. He's wanting to do it very gently. But he's wanting to say, guys, I want you to do better than this. Because my church is so wonderful. And I'm wanting it to be without spot and blemish and wrinkle. I know you're not perfect. I know you're going to make mistakes. But I want you to live not just on your reputation. I want you to be men and women of character. And Jesus comes to us and says he does not want us to have a reputation for being alive and yet we're fully dead. Let me just say this. Brian Houston said, if you stand for nothing, you will stand for anything. And you see, the thing is about us personally, about us at Arena Church, we don't just want to be known for all the good things that are happening. And they are great things, Food Bank, Universal, the building. There's people who lock on and say we have a reputation for being having money and you know, there's all these young people, all these young people. It's like we've got hundreds of young people. Thank God for what we have got, guys. But there's not hundreds of them. That's the reputation. The reality is there's 50 or 60 of them. Thank God for them. But, you know, let's live with, let's live with a sense of not believing our own press. Yeah? Because that's dangerous. Um, so there are lots of good things but not everything is, 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 is absolutely correct. And actually, the things that we need to base our life upon as a church are found in Acts 2, 42, 46. You don't need to turn to it, but I'll, I'll, I'll just reference them. Prayer, fellowship in small groups, breaking of bread, biblical teaching, meeting the needs of others, miracles, overflowing generosity, a DNA of service, a commitment to corporate worship. It's all found there in those four verses, five verses. You see, that's the reality. And increasingly, we need to maintain those things in our lives. So how are we doing on that point? I'm not asking for a response. I'm just asking you to internalize it. Is your reputation the same as your reality? Let me close that particular point off by saying, John Wooden, again, who I've quoted, he said this, if I were ever persecuted for my religion, I truly hope there would be enough evidence to convict me. That's a powerful statement. Let me move on to the second issue that God had. And let's look at it, because twice it's mentioned, verse 2, he said, wake up. And then in verse 3, but if you do not wake up, I will come like a thief. You see, the problem that we have here at Sardis is not only were they living on a reputation, but they were asleep. One of the things I loved about, and I love about being in America, they have big furniture. Now, that's helpful for me as a big bloke. And they have these chairs called the Lazy Boys. Steve, you would love them. And me and you, we would absolutely love them. And they, you've probably got one at home, but they kick back. No, they kick, I don't know whether you got, they kick back. They, you like hold them, things, and then they all recline. Oh, and they're awesome. It's brilliant with the remote control and, you know... That tell you, brilliant. And they have these lazy boys, and they kick back. Now that might not appeal to you. You might be more of a hammock kind of person, just uh, you know, with an orange juice, a pineapple juice, with a straw. Real dull boy with the umbrella in, you know. I'm not against resting. I'm not against sleeping. I'm not against relaxation. Jesus didn't have a problem with any of those things. 
What he had a problem with, they were always doing it. They were in a position of sleep. They were not awake. And he said, wake up. And what he actually did, he plunked an alarm clock by the name of John and said, wake up, because if you don't wake up, I'm going to come like a thief and it will be taken from you. I have to tell history records that they didn't wake up and an earthquake actually wrote off the city. That's tragic. And you see, God comes to us, and you may say, well, Christian, I'm, I'm fully alive, and I'm in, but are you? I'm just asking you to ask, them, are you fully alive? Are you fully engaged? Are you really, you know, pumped for the things of God? Are you really? Or is there a sense of a bit of napping that's going on at the moment, a bit of coasting, a bit of eating, a bit of drinking, a bit of lazy boy, hammock, laying activity? You see, God wants us to be awake. He writes in Ephesians and he says, Awake, O sleeper, arise from the dead. Wake up. Wake up. Young people, wake up. Family members, wake up. Couples, wake up. Singles, wake up. Wake up to the things of God. Wake up. Unfortunately, there are often things that come across our lives that aren't always good things that serve as a wake-up call. You've often heard that. Well, that was a bit of a wake-up call. But what happens if the wake-up call is it? I'm not wanting to put fear in, but what if that is it? You actually don't get a wake-up call. Time passes so quickly. I was just chatting with my, my friend Dave, uh, Dave and Jeanette, and he was just saying about some things that he does, and I'd seen, I've actually done this before, but an illustration, it came to me straight away about using your life and the span of life, 70 years, and saying, okay, how old are you? Well, 35, okay, half, a year, half your life's gone. You're going to spend this amount of hours, days, for the next 35, sleeping, take that off. Eating, take that off. Washing and showering, take that off. And you're left with such a, small piece of life and God says with that small piece of life wake up wake up now how can we wake up and what do we need to wake up to well I have five things that I believe that I want to commit myself to and I will be encouraging people at the end to stand with me and not at the front but just to stand with me it may be over all five it may be just over one it may be over two but I'm going to ask you to stand up with me at the end of this service, you may not even be a believer, you may not even be a Christian, but the first one applies to you. Because we need to commit ourselves to this with the time that we've got. Because God wants us to wake up and listen, uh, sir, listen, madam. You might be in for the first time and thinking, well, what's all this about? But there's something that's got your attention and the alarm clock is ticking. I don't want to put any fear in you. I'm not trying to sell you anything. I don't want to come across as a salesman. I'm just trying to paint the picture of life. This isn't in, in my notes, but I want to say this life is so short and we go from here to eternity. Okay, we go from here to eternity. And we have a choice in this life where we're going to spend eternity. Is it going to be with God, before God, or is it going to be in torment? That's what my Bible tells me. And we have a choice. We have a choice who we're going to serve and who we're going to love and who, we, who we're going to cleave to. I've chosen to cleave and live for Jesus. So I believe that my eternity is secure. My Bible tells me 
that once I pass from this life, I'm going to pass into the presence of God. But I have committed myself to five things. Number one, then this will cause me to awake from my sleep. I commit myself to God again. You may be fired up, pumped up, rampant Christian, going for it in God, telling everybody about Jesus, and you say, well, I don't know. I'm asking you again to stand with me in a, in a short while and commit yourself to God again. Say, I'm, I'm going to commit myself to God again. This is, it's, it's only God. I'm living for God. To live his ways. To walk in his ways. To follow his direction. To follow his lead. To live to please him, Sean. I'm going to commit to live for God again. Second commitment. Commit myself to my family again. Commit myself to my family again. If you have a wife, or if you have a husband, I'm encouraging you to keep your covenants one to another. Keep your covenants. Keep yourself one close one to another. For those who have children, are privileged to take care of children. In particular, I want to speak to men. Please do not leave it any longer before you tell your son or your daughter that you love them. I'm charging you today to pick up that phone. Don't text for God help us if you text it. May God strike you down if you text it. That's the strongest I can be. I know that's theologically not correct, boys, but oh, God. Just tell your son or your daughter that you love her. You might have already done it already today. I'm not bothered. Just do it. Dads, just do it. Just do it. Tell that, tell that daughter that you love her. You may have never done it before. I'm not going to say shame on you. I understand just our race, but I'm telling you, please, 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 time passes by so quickly. If you've got a mum and dad and they're still alive, tell them you love them. Tell them you love them. Because you don't know how long you can have them for. You really don't. Are you hearing me? You might think, has he got all emotional while he's been in America? No. I just want to commit myself to these things. My third commitment is I commit myself to the church. Oh, here we go, you say. No, I'm not after anything. I'm just saying I commit myself to the church. I'm committed to the church. I'm committed to doing what I can in the church. I know I don't always get it right. We won't always get it right. I know we're on a journey. But I commit myself to the church to do what I can to help others. There's a commitment. Fourthly, I commit myself to live with a call of God on my life. Every one of us here has a call of God on our lives. Every one of us. We heard on Tuesday night, it might be a call for a particular ministry, the fivefold ministry gifts, but everybody has gifts. Everybody has been given something unique and special. I really do believe that more and more. And I see it more and more because they're my kids, because they're so different. And I see different special gifts and uniquenesses about their lives. And I think, wow, it is true. 
They're just so different, and yet God's given them so many different gifts. I commit myself to use my gifts, my call, and give it to God again and say, God, use my life to bless others. Yeah. So we commit ourselves to his call on our life. This will cause us to wake from our slumber. And lastly, and it's not because it's the least important, but I commit myself to help the poor and the hurting again. Oh, I said it at the very beginning. And if this is not just a fad, this is not because I've read a book, this is because it's in the book. Take care of the widow and the orphan, and I'll take care of you. Don't worry about building the church, Christian. I'll build the church. All I've asked you to do is do these things. I'll take care of the rest. Yes? So we need to commit ourselves to taking care of the poor and the hurting. And poor doesn't always necessarily mean that they haven't got any money. It could be that they're spiritually poor, emotionally poor. We just seek to help where we can. This prayer comes again, Phil, that love would just take over our lives. We'd be absorbed with the love of God. It won't come through any other means. It certainly doesn't come through watching the children in need. Although I'm in bits when I watch children in need. But then the following day I'm up again and so what? It's about God getting hold of our hearts and his love filling our lives. And then we can't help but reach out to help other people who are in need. Are they five good commitments? Ah, there's about five of you that believe it. Are they five really good commitments? I believe so. There may be more. But I believe that these things will take us from a position of slumber into a position of action. Or a position where we're awake. It's not necessarily action where we're awake to the things of God. Because sometimes you just need to be awake. You don't need to do anything. And then God tells you what to do. And that's where I want to be. I want to be awake and alive and not dead any longer. And I'll be open to the things of God, to the wind of his spirit, to the voice of direction and leadership over my life. I want to close by saying this. It's very clear from what we read in, 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 in here, and I take it very seriously. Jesus said, you've got a reputation, sort it. That's the Alan Sugar, Sugar kind of methodology. You've got an issue, sort it. Of reputation. You've got an issue now of being asleep. Wake up. If you don't, I'm going to come like a thief. I'm going to come like a thief. It's interesting, Jesus' ministry, throughout Jesus' ministry, he uses phrases like, no hour known to man, in the twinkling of an eye, like a thief. And I'm not talking about end time, Jesus is about to come tomorrow. I'll leave that to Phil and Eric to sort out. I'm not bothered about those stuff. They're much more experienced on those things than I am. But I am talking about being ready for what God has for us. Yes? The answer is to repent I'll take you through it quickly. Repent in verse, help me if somebody's got it, verse 3. Remember therefore what you have received and heard, obey it and repent, okay? And then he goes on to say, strengthen what remains. And then the other thing I've got is, live in the whiteness of the cross. Because it says there, they will walk with me dressed in white, for they are worthy. He who overcomes will be like them. Be dressed in white. I will never blot out their name from the book of life, but will acknowledge his name before my Father and his angels. As we come to the cross, all my sin-stained clothing is before the cross. All my internal stuff, all my external, and his cross showers me 
and washes me and makes me internally pure and externally pure. It washes my clothes. It's better than Purcell and Daz. I thought I'd get a joke there, but anyway. He washes us and we become white as snow. Church, let's wake up. I wonder if the guys would just, we are going to close with a song of worship to God, so that's just helpful that they'll be in there. In a moment, I'm, as I said, I'm just going to ask you to, if there's one or five of those things, I'm not going to ask you to reveal which one they are, but if you need to respond to God, and don't respond because you think everybody else is responding. Respond to God because you're responding to God. You're not responding to me. I am not fussed. I can honestly say this if nobody stands up. I'll do what I need to do. We'll pray and we'll move on. But if you do need to respond in a few moments, I'm going to ask you to stand and we'll just pray.